0: The sagas of the Norse people are filled with the names of ancient heroes whose deeds and exploits echo through the ages, immortalised within the songs of the skalds and the inky words of the scribes scratched upon precious parchments. Their adventures are told and retold, over and over, with each storyteller adding new threads of history, legend and myth. And for some heroes, the threads of fiction are so tightly woven that it's impossible to separate truth from myth. This is certainly the case for a Viking hero, who I'm sure you've heard of, whose real-life exploits lie obscured by the mists of the ages, now meshed together with tales of dragons and sorcery. This hero is, of course, none other than Ragnar Lothbrok, whose actions in life immortalised his name, and whose death led the Vikings to weave themselves into the fabric of England's story. This is the saga of Ragnar Lothbrok.
1: In Viking times, a thing was a gathering, a place where leaders and warriors could meet and talk. In the 21st century, our thing is a virtual place where history academics and enthusiasts from around the world can come together to share knowledge. We're your hosts, Miranda Schmiederer
0: and Lucas Norton.
1: So hold on to your helmets for this episode of That Jorvik Viking Thing podcast.
0: Our tale begins in the kingdom of Goutsland, a wealthy land governed by a powerful Jarl named Herod, who had a daughter named Thora, a woman considered by many to be the most beautiful and noble lady in all the world. Jarl Herod adored his daughter, and showered her with love and fine gifts. He built her a beautiful house, enclosed by a fence of woven wattle, and every day he would send some treasure or toy to delight her. On one occasion he presented his dear daughter with a small ornate box which she opened gleefully discovering as a marvelous colorful serpent lay within it she thanked him saying
2: this is wonderful i've never seen such a pretty pet and this box is delightful too it shall make a perfect vessel to hold my coins and jewelry
0: she placed a modest handful of gold coins within the container and found that the serpent enjoyed slumbering upon this miniature hoard. But, as the days passed, the serpent began to grow, and with it, the pile of gold began to increase in size too, a clear sign that something unnatural was at work here. The serpent's appetite grew grander too, and it slithered out of the box which could no longer contain it, terrorising Thora and her servant in its search for nourishment. But the horror did not cease there, as it grew to ever greater proportions until the gold and the serpent spilled out of the house and the monster coiled itself around the building, jealously guarding its riches and devouring whole herds of livestock. Thora fled her home and discussed this surprising turn of events with her father, before messengers were summoned, to whom she instructed.
2: Travel across all the lands of the Norse people with this message. It is abundantly clear that this serpent is in fact a dragon, and this ravenous calamity annihilates man and beast alike, impoverishing my father's realm with its malice. It is a curse upon us. So let it be known that my father solemnly swears that the man who succeeds in destroying this malevolent entity will be granted all the gold that it greedily nests upon, and they shall have the privilege of marrying me."
0: This proclamation spread far and wide. But no man proved capable of vanquishing the evil dragon, as any brave fool who drew too near was overwhelmed by the monster's noxious venom which would soak through armour and flesh. That is, until word of this dragon and the Jarl's promise reached the Kingdom of the Danes where a young man named Ragnar lived. Ragnar was the son of the Danish king Sigurd, and from a young age had proven himself to be a mighty warrior. He was tall and handsome, generous to his followers, and terrible to his enemies. When news of the dragon reached him, he pretended that he had no desire to face this foe, but he secretly made cunning preparations. He summoned some trusted servants, and gave them a surreptitious order.
3: I am in need of some unique items, some shaggy hairy trousers and a cloak of the same ilk to match. I wish these to be boiled in pitch and then brought to me.
0: You may think this is a strange order, but speak of it to no one else. Then, as soon as summer arrived, Ragnar sailed with his men to Goutland, taking their ships into a fjord where they spent the nights. But Ragnar had no intention of sleeping. Whilst his men rested, Ragnar opened his belongings, producing the outlandish hairy clothes his servants had crafted, which he proceeded to put on before rolling around in the sand over and over again. Once this strange action was complete, he grabbed a great spear and crept off alone into the cascading mists. He left the shores of the sea and entered the nearby town, which was home to Thora and her troublesome pet dragon. But no one was awake to witness the suspicious sight of a shaggy, hairy man, coated in pitch and sand, stalking the streets towards the dragon, which snoozed peacefully, coiled around the house of Thora. Ragnar deftly and nimbly approached the snoring serpents, and stabbed his spear into its shining scales. It woke and uttered a painful roar from its terrifying jaw and Ragnar swiftly pulled out the spear and stabbed again through the dragon's back and straight into its pulsing, evil heart. He twisted his spear with as much force as he could muster before swiftly pulling back the shaft, whilst the iron spearhead remained lodged deep within the dragon's dying flesh. The dragon thrashed and bellowed as it died, spraying vile venom and oozing a torrent of toxic blood. Such insidious poisons that dragons produce can kill a man, a beast, or even a god in seconds, and many would-be dragon slayers end up poisoned by just a splash of the creature's blood. But this was a risk which Ragnar was well prepared for. The poisoned blood struck Ragnar in such quantity that any other man would have died before he could even take nine steps, But Ragnar's eccentric attire, shaggy and coated in pitch and sand, acted as the perfect barrier to the dragon's poison, leaving him completely invulnerable to its effects. The townsfolk were awakened by the dying dragon's screams, and they ventured out into the twilight, where they saw that the beast which had tormented their lives lay dead and stood over the ruin of the dragon, was the figure of a man, armed with a spear shaft, wearing a bizarre shaggy cloak, and the strangest, hairiest trousers they had ever seen. Thora approached the stranger, and asked,
2: Bold slayer, we are in your debt. I do not recognise you. What is your name?
0: But Ragnar did not answer her, instead declaring,
3: Beautiful Thora. I have risked my life to slay the serpent. I would be dead from the dragon's bite had I not used my spear to bite the viper's heart first.
0: And then he left, swiftly and suddenly, with no one in attendance learning who he was. But upon inspection of the dragon's lifeless corpse, Thora discovered a clue. A large iron spearhead lodged into the silent heart of the beast. She examined it closely with curiosity, and devised a cunning scheme, announcing,
2: Let it be known that every man within my father's noble territory is summoned to his hall immediately. Any who refuse this order shall face our wrath.
0: This decree was heard by Ragnar and his men in the fjord, who journeyed to the Jarl's hall, where they joined the great throng of people who swarmed about his residence. The Jarl and his daughter stood tall and noble, facing the crowd, and Thora loudly
2: commanded, Silence! Today is a glorious day, for the dragon that has terrorised us for so long lies defeated. Our dragon slayer has won the serpent's gold and my hand in marriage. I believe that the hero is here among us, and I hold something that belongs to him.
0: So Thora wandered through the crowds as she clutched the precious great spearhead which had been extracted from the depths of the dragon's heart. She closely observed the stature and attire of the men she passed, while she studied each and every spear that she came across. And eventually she saw him, a tall and noble man armed with a thick and sturdy spear which lacked its iron spearhead she observed the strange hairy trousers that he wore too as she approached, presenting the instrument of the Dragon's Doom, and declaring,
2: Noble stranger, handsome hero of the hairy trousers, I suspect that we have already met, and that you are to be my husband. I think that this is yours.
0: She matched the spearhead to his spear shaft, confirming her suspicion, which led the stranger to smile and speak these words. My name is Ragnar, son of King Sigurd, who
3: rules the kingdom of the Danes. With my cunning and my skill at arms, I slew the dragon which tormented this land. To which Thora responded
2: Then you are to be my husband Ragnar, son of Sigurd, Ragnar, dragon slayer, Ragnar, hairy trousers.
0: Ragnar and Thora became married that very day, and stories of Ragnar's heroism and his dragon-proof hairy trousers spread far and wide. And this is why, from this day onwards, Ragnar was forever known by the name Ragnar Lothbrok, which in the speech of the Norse people means Ragnar Hairy Trousers. Ragnar and Thora returned to Denmark, where they lived happily, and had two sons named Erik and Agnar. Eventually, Ragnar inherited the throne of his father, with Thora beside him as his queen. But sadly, wise and wonderful Thora one day became ill, and this sickness caused her death. Ragnar was so shaken by this sorrow that he resolved to leave the land of the Danes and roam the seas with his men, travelling from coast to coast and finding victory in battle wherever he went. Eventually, they reached the wild, windswept land of Norway, where they came across a quiet, empty fjord to rest for a while. Nearby was a single, lonely farmstead, where Ragnar's servants planned to prepare a meal. As they approached, they encountered an unpleasant-looking peasant woman, dark-haired, hunched over, with a face marred by pockmarks and eyes filled with suspicion. She barked out,
4: Who are you? "'Foreign folk! I am Grima, and this is my house. "'I don't take kindly to strangers sniffing around my farm unannounced. "'What brings you to this wretched place that I call home?'
5: "'Ragnar's servant Ogmund answered, "'Calm yourself, fugly crone. We serve Ragnar Lofbrook, "'and we hoped we may make use of your farmhouse to prepare food for our master.' Perhaps you could help us make him some bread, if your gnarled, haggard hands are up to the task. Grima was not accustomed
0: to providing aid to guests, as charity was not within her wicked nature. But, to avoid trouble, she tried her best to feign kindness, saying,
4: I would not usually allow this, but since you serve Ragnar Hairy Trousers himself, I will generously grant you access to my ramshackle ruin of a house. However, my hands are not what they once were, so I will not be helping you. I will order my idiot of a daughter named Cracker to attend to you. She is a simple girl lacking in wits who refuses to do what I say no matter how much I beat her or scream and shout.
0: The men thanked Grima for providing the barest minimum of hospitality which the customs of the Norse people demanded, and entered the house which stank of burning peat and ancient mould, unaware that Pracker had observed their arrival with keen interest. Visitors rarely came to this inconsequential place, and never met in the service of a king, Cruel Grima had always forbidden Cracker from bathing, and forced her to hide her hair beneath layers of rags. But, in the company of such fine men, she decided to ignore Grima's harsh decrees. When Cracker arrived, the men were astounded by her beauty and her exquisite hair, which flowed to the floor around her feet and resembled the finest of silk. The men looked back and forth from lovely cracker to grotesque Grima, utterly baffled at the difference between the two women. And one man even had the audacity to ask,
5: Is this truly your daughter, this beautiful maiden? I have never seen someone so stunningly attractive. Whereas you are the worst kind of misshapen human I have ever had the misfortune to lay eyes upon. To which angry Grima grunted,
4: I tell no lie. She is my daughter. Do not judge me by my present appearance, as I was just as beautiful as her at the same age.
0: The men were unconvinced, but welcomed Cracker, who eagerly helped them prepare their bread. They baked her loaves, but accidentally burnt them, as they were utterly mesmerised by her beauty. They soon left, and served Ragnar the burnt, blackened breakfast, and his voice was choked with anger when he laid eyes upon the dish. I have never seen such a poorly prepared meal in all my life. How could you possibly
3: expect this to be edible? What on earth came over you this morning? The men were embarrassed by
5: this, but told Ragnar the truth. We beg your forgiveness. We couldn't pay any attention to the preparation of this food, as we were distracted by the most beautiful woman in all the world. Who would have thought that such a lovely creature could be found in this miserable place?" The men continued
0: to describe the beauty they had witnessed at the peasant's house, but Ragnar was not convinced, as he proclaimed, "...no woman in all the world could ever be as
3: beautiful as my treasured Thora, and I truly doubt that this woman you speak of could ever match my Thora's wits and wisdom. In fact, let us put her to the test." Return to this peasant woman and ask her to come meet with me, but issue the following instructions. She is to meet me neither clothed nor naked, neither fed nor starving, and I don't want her to come alone nor with another person.
0: A messenger delivered the baffling set of instructions to Cracker, and when bitter old Grima heard the message, she gave a ghastly grin of crooked teeth and wickedly declared,
4: Ragnar Hairy Trousers obviously lost his mind the day that Queen of his died, as these are clearly the words of a madman.
0: But Clever Cracker ignored idiotic Grima and contemplated Ragnar's wording. She pondered the perplexing words until she was sure that she had solved his riddles and immediately set off to meet with him. Ragnar was waiting down by his ship and he saw her striding towards the shore, with her long bright hair shining like gold, though she was garbed in unusual attire, and was followed by a small animal. When she was finally close enough, the beautiful woman declared,
6: As you can plainly see, I am not naked, but I could hardly be called clothed, as I am draped in a coarse fishing net about my body to hide my modesty. Before I left my home, I chewed upon a small onion and nothing more, so I am not starving, but could hardly be called fed and would gladly eat a great deal more. And as you can see, I have come with no other person, but I am not alone, for my faithful dog has accompanied me on my journey. Does this please you, Ragnar?
0: Ragnar was most impressed by both the beauty and wisdom of this woman, so invited her onto his ship. They sat close to one another, and he took her hand, enamoured by her loveliness, which
3: was when he uttered, I plan to leave this place tomorrow, but I ask you to spend one day and one night with me here on my ship, fair lady, and I would give you a fine gift for your time, rare clothing threaded with silver,
0: once owned by my lost queen. But to Ragnar's surprise, Kracker's face darkened as she responded.
6: You plan to dress me as your queen, but then leave me tomorrow amongst peasants? I shall certainly not accept this from you. Do you expect me to wear these while herding livestock through mud and scree? It would be different if you were to offer to take me with you and make me your wife, but that is clearly not what you had in mind. I shall take my leave of you now, Ragnar, hairy trousers.
0: She left abruptly, startling Ragnar, who found himself so utterly infatuated that he sent messengers that night to tell her that she could come with him for good and leave her life of poverty behind. Cracker thanked the messengers and gathered her few meagre possessions before she went to the foul, fetid room where Grima and her husband Aki slept. They were awakened by her presence and Grima groaned.
4: What is it? Brainless girl! Why do you
6: disturb us at this hour?
0: To which Kracker bluntly answered,
6: I am leaving with Ragnar, and will never return to this vile place, you hideous hag.
0: Spittle sprayed from wicked Grima's lips as she shouted,
4: Our only child leaves us for a stranger!
6: What a selfish girl we have raised!
0: Then, bitter, furious words spilled from Kracker's mouth.
6: I am no child of yours. I know the truth. You may think I was too young to remember, but I know exactly what you did. The birds that witnessed your foul crime spoke to me of that evil event that they saw that night. I know which axe you bloodied, I know where you hid the coins you stole from your victim, and I know where you buried the body after the despicable deed was done. I have foreseen your future and I proclaim that each day from now shall grow ever poorer, and your final bitter day of breath shall be your worst. Now I shall leave you and this wretched place forever.
0: And Krugger left her sad old life, with its buried secrets behind her, and went to Ragnar's ship, where he embraced her. They returned to Denmark and immediately held a great wedding and a feast in celebration of the new queen. But, on the night of their wedding, Ragnar seductively suggested that it was time to share a bed together, to which Kraka uttered a worried whisper.
6: "'No, husband, this is too soon and improper. We must wait three nights after the wedding, then we shall pray to the gods and make sacrifice. This must be done, otherwise the gods shall curse our future son. I foresee that he would be born without bones if we do not honour the gods correctly.'
0: But Ragnar was tired of waiting, and
3: declared, We are married and are deeply in love. That is some silly Norwegian superstition, and I fail to see how you, the child of peasants, could have the gift of
0: foresight. Ragnar and Kraka were very happy together, but her prophecy of course came true, and their first son was born with nothing but gristle or cartilage where bones should be. He became known as Ivar the Boneless, and he was carried about, as he could not walk as other men did. But he grew to be tall and handsome, and was perhaps one of the wisest men to have ever lived. The marriage then produced more sons, named Bjorn, Hvitserk, and Roggenwald, who grew to become bold and mighty warriors, who together raided many lands under the leadership of intelligence Ivar. On one occasion when the Ragnarsons ventured into the west to ravage the island of Britain, Ragnar himself was in the east, visiting his friend, King Oystein of the Swedes, a powerful and ambitious man who ruled from Uppsala. At a sumptuous feast, Ragnar was introduced to Oystein's daughter, a beautiful young woman named Ingeborg, and Oystein slyly
5: suggested. It would be of great benefit to us both if our families were united by marriage. And you would do me great honour to consider marrying my lovely daughter. She makes a fine princess of the Swedes, but would prove a better queen of the Danes. Ragnar was shocked and surprised
0: at this proposal from his friend, and spluttered, This is most inappropriate,
3: as I am already married to my beloved Kraka." But Oystein was most
5: insistent, and argued, Your wife is nothing. She is the daughter of peasant nobodies from some Norwegian backwater. She may be pretty to look upon, but she is not worthy of marriage to a man such as you, particularly in comparison to my perfect daughter. Ragnar's followers
0: agreed wholeheartedly with the Swedish king, as they felt it was an embarrassment that their king had married so far beneath him beloved Queen Thora, the daughter of a Jarl, had once greatly enriched the realm with her dragon's gold. But now their current queen was the daughter of no one in particular, and she hadn't brought any great wealth or alliance to benefit the Danish people. Together, they all persuaded Ragnar that it was time to set aside his current wife, in favour of a woman more befitting his status as king. They soon made their return to Denmark, but Ragnar brought his men to a halt in the middle of a lonely wild forest. He checked that no spies were about, finding no living creature, but three wagtails fluttering and chirping within the branches of a nearby linden tree. He whispered sternly to each and every companion in the group, You will not speak
3: a word of what has transpired on our visit to Uppsala. If any man here speaks of the engagement between myself and the princess, then I swear that I shall kill that man where he stands.
0: Are we in agreement? Ragnar's men swore oaths to keep the engagement secret, and then they continued on their journey. Upon arrival, Ragnar went to his hall to sit upon his throne, which was where Kruka found him and embraced him. She lovingly inquired,
6: Welcome home, husband. What news do you bring from the east? Did anything interesting transpire in the land of the Swedes?
0: But Ragnar quickly and sternly answered.
3: I bring no news. Let us speak no more about my dealings in Sweden.
0: Kracker, however, glared at him and angrily announced.
6: I shall tell you some news then, for I call it news indeed if a king becomes engaged to a princess when it is plain to the world that he already has a wife.
0: Ragnar was stunned into silence by his wife's words, so she continued talking.
6: When you walked through the forest and spoke your scandalous secret in hushed tones to your company, there were three birds perched in a nearby tree, who heard every word of your whisper. It was they that told me this news.
0: This revelation shocked Ragnar indeed, who queried, How could such a thing be possible? To which Kraka responded,
6: It is a skill I inherited from my true father, who gained it when he tasted the heart of a dragon Favnir. I ask you to remain my husband, not merely out of love and commitment, but due to a secret of my own. I am no mere peasant's daughter. My bloodline is more noble than that of any princess you will find across the sea. My mother was the wisest and most beautiful of all women, for she was the Valkyrie Brynhild, daughter of Búthlir, who rescued my father, the greatest hero to have ever lived. It was Sigurd, son of Sigmund, slayer of the dragon Favnir, descended from Odin himself, and I am the last of the Volsungs, the greatest and grandest lineage of men and women to ever emerge from the northern lands.
0: Ragnar was sceptical of this fanciful fact his wife had presented, so asked her, why should I believe this? I
3: doubt such noble folk as Sigurd and Brunhild would foster their daughter with peasants, or give their child as crude a name as Kraka.
0: To which Kraka revealed.
6: I was once fostered within the great hall of Hundlir, home of the Arl Hamir, who smuggled me to safety away from my parents' enemies, hidden within a great harp that he carried but he was unfortunate enough to meet the evil peasants Aki and Grima who murdered my protector for the wealth he carried. They renamed me and treated me cruelly, but I never forgot who I truly am. My true name is Aslaug, daughter of Sigurd and Brynhild. I am the last of the Volsung, but now the bloodline of that noble family continues in the veins of our beloved sons.
0: Ragnar was horrified to hear what had happened to poor Jan Aslaug and her guardian, but he needed proof of this bizarre tale before he would cancel his engagements and offend the Swedish king. He commanded his wife,
3: You must give me some kind of proof. Words are wind. How do I know this is not some desperate lie from a spurned wife? But his wife simply smiled
0: before calmly uttering,
6: My father and my mother both tasted the heart of Favnir the dragon, which granted many extraordinary abilities, the gift of foresight and the skill to comprehend the language of birds. I foresee that I shall soon give birth to a boy with the image of a great serpent or dragon within his own eyes, the legacy of his famous grandfather." This shall be proof of his lineage, and we shall name this boy with the serpent in his eye, Sigurd, after his grandfather, who slew the great serpent Favnir.
0: Ragnar listened to this peculiar prophecy and waited, until eventually, Kraka gave birth to a boy just as predicted, and when the boy was placed upon Ragnar's lap, they stared deeply into one another's eyes. Ragnar laughed and announced...
3: My son has the image of a snake within his eyes. He shall be named Sigurd, and he shall win many battles like his father and his mother's father too. He will be known as a great hero descended from Odin himself. From this day forward,
0: Ragnar's wife reclaimed her true name, Aslaug, and her true identity was declared to the world. The kingdom rejoiced that the daughter of Sigurd and Brunhild had survived, and all the world now knew that her noble ancient bloodline continued within the veins of the Ragnarsons, and would now endure for all time. Ragnar ended the engagement to Ingeborg of Sweden, which naturally displeased and angered King Oystein. It was clear that war between the Danes and the Swedes was now inevitable, so King Oystein entered the bloodied Temple of Uppsala and offered profane and depraved sacrifices to a malevolent abomination which he had made an ally of. As he approached the blood-splattered
5: altar and its wooden idol, he whispered, Sibylia, mighty demon of the Swedes. The shadow of my thought lays constantly upon Ragnar and his troublesome sons. I offer you this sacrifice, and in return I would have you lead my army and bring ruin and calamity upon the Danes.
0: And soon after this, the eldest of the Ragnarsons, Eric and Agnar, raised a great army and invaded Sweden. But their expedition ended in utter disaster as the Swedish king's ally was a malicious creature gorged upon wicked sacrifices, and it employed some unfathomable sorcery to bring devastation upon its enemies. Queen Aslaug shed a single tear of blood as hard as a hailstone when she heard of their fate, and she urged the remaining sons of Ragnar to avenge their brother's deaths. Ivar ordered his warriors to utterly decimate the land of the enemy, to force him to meet them upon the field of battle. As the Swedish forces arrived, King Oystein shouted,
5: We march to war, and our victory is assured we've got a Sibylia on our side. Her powers shall destroy the wits and will of these Danish vermin. The Swedish host marched forth and clashed with the
0: spears of the invading Danes, and the forces were evenly matched, so none could guess with certainty who would win the day. But then, the power of Sibylia was unleashed. She took the form of a hideous, monstrous cow, and the vile noises she could produce were horrifying and indescribable, which led Ivar to shout out,
7: Clatter your weapons against your shields! Drown out this demonic dread with a
0: deafening racket of our own! The men did as instructed, and then Ivar had his men carry him closer to the horror that was Sibylia. Then, with his largest hunting bow, he shot two barbed, brutal arrows, which flew through the air like angry hornets, and each embedded deep into the eye sockets of the demon, blinding that malevolent devil. Sibylia screeched in hellish agony. Ivar ended her torments by ordering his men to hurl him skywards with all their strength, leading him to crash upon Sibylia's back, shattering her spine. The Danes roared in triumph before rushing forwards and cutting the enemy Swedes and their king to pieces. The Ragnarsons now withdrew from Sweden and began a new bloody wave of conquest against opponents to the south, the Holy Roman Empire of the German people. City after city fell to the Ragnarsons, thanks to the cunning strategies of wise Ivar, and the brothers' reputations now far outshone that of their father, the old Dragonslayer. Ragnar was proud of his son's achievements, but he grew worried, jealous in fact, for their fame was beginning to outshine his own. So, he planned a great adventure into the west, and ordered the construction of two mighty warships, which naturally aroused the curiosity of Aslaug, who inquired,
6: "'Husband, where do you intend to sail with these two ships? Does some petty yarl or nearby village offend you?'
0: Ragnar laughed at this
3: suggestion, before answering, "'My ambitions are far greater.' For I intend to conquer a glorious prize with these two ships, that country known as England. You may think this unwise, but to conquer a nation with a mighty fleet would be no accomplishment. Men would speak of my overwhelming numbers rather than my strategy, my cunning and my skill at arms. But to conquer a nation with only two crews of men? This has never happened in all the history of the world and would be remembered forever."
0: Aslaug tried her hardest to convince Ragnar that his plan would end in disaster, but his mind was set upon this foolhardy course of action. He finished his preparations and assembled his warriors, whilst Aslaug prepared a wondrous gift for him. Before he sailed away, she met him by the shoreline and presented him with her handicraft.
6: "'This voyage is reckless and I fear greatly for your life, husband.' It would ease my heart if you were to wear this shirt which I have woven. This was made from a single long grey hair and has an enchantment upon it which will protect you better than any coat of mail. No wound will bleed you and no blade will bite you. Farewell, husband. I am truly uncertain if we shall ever meet again.
0: Aslaug left her love with a heavy heart and watched Ragnar's ships vanish over the horizon into the west. He approached the island of Britain, where ill-omened, fierce winds smashed his ships against the jagged rocks of that foreign land, though the survivors then set forth to conquer the country, winning victory over every town and fortress they came across. Filled with overconfidence, Ragnar proclaimed, "'The English
3: clearly lack the skill to defend themselves. Soon the whole nation shall be subjugated, and the world shall remember me, Ragnar.' conqueror of England.
0: But, this great conquest never came to pass, for Ragnar had not yet faced the true might of an English army. In the city of York, a cunning king named Ella ruled, and he was well aware that a force of troublesome Danes had entered his realm, and were causing a nuisance in the east of his kingdom, ravaging small, inconsequential villages. But, his spies had passed on confusing information,
8: and he groaned. I feel besieged by rumours and falsehoods. One spy tells me that a tiny group of Danes is pestering some villages, whilst another says the Danish King himself has arrived, intent on adding England to his dominion. I feel lost in the fog of war. But, no matter the size of this invading force, it
0: was his duty as King to repel it. So, he assembled a mighty host, composed of the greatest warriors Northumbria could muster. As they rode to meet with the Danes, he instructed his men.
8: Word has reached me that the famous Ragnar Lothbrok might be amongst this group of Danes. I highly doubt such a renowned warrior could be amongst this doomed rabble of men, but I warn you all, if you meet Ragnar, be sure not to slay him, as his death would bring the wrath of his mighty sons upon us. This clash
0: between the English and the Danes... Was not truly a battle, it was a massacre. What on earth was Ragnar thinking? How could he have expected to conquer a nation with so few men? Ragnar's loyal warriors fell to the sharp English blades, whilst he single handedly cleared a path through the English host, protected from harm by his enchanted shirts. But eventually, he was surrounded and hemmed in by the enemy's shields. King Ella shouted, Who are you, Daring Dane? Are you the one they call Ragnar Lothbrok? But Ragnar refused to answer the English king, so they imprisoned the Viking and took him back to their city. Ella ordered his men to throw the stranger into a pit of snakes, which he was certain would scare the man into answering their questions. But the snakes ignored Ragnar, as they could sense the protective enchantments that lay upon him and
8: this greatly frustrated King Ella, who complained, No spear or sword would bite this man, and now no snake will bite either. Remove his clothing and return him to the pit. The sight of this Dane sours my stomach. Ella's men removed
0: Ragnar's enchanted shirts and threw him back, where slithering snakes were now eager to sink their venomous fangs into his tender flesh poison spread through his veins, and his limbs felt as if they were on fire. Ragnar's final thoughts were of his sons, and the bloody vengeance they would reap upon the land of England. With his final breath, he unleashed a sky-shattering shout,
5: How the piglets
3: would squeal if they saw the old boar now!
0: The serpent's venom was the end of Ragnar Lothbrok, who faced his death smiling. Whilst King Ella's heart filled with horror, he realized who he had slain and that the piglets he had spoken of were the famous Ragnarsons. Ella was quite naturally frightened of how they may respond to the slaying of their father, but he felt he must send messengers to declare the death of Ragnar. Ella's messengers made the journey east, across the ocean, and met with the Ragnarsons in their father's hall. Ivar sat upon his father's throne, Sigurd Snake and Hwitserk played a game of Nefertafel, whilst Bjorn Ironside shaved a spear shaft smooth. And when the heartbreaking news was delivered, each brother reacted their own way. Bjorn gripped his spear so hard he shattered the shaft. Hwitserk gripped a gaming piece with such fury that his hands began to bleed. Sigurd trimmed his nails, down to the finger bones. Whilst Ivar sat still, and his face changed colour, appearing swollen, as if inflated by the grimness in his heart. Huitzerk then ordered that the messengers should be slain, but Ivar calmly dismissed his brother's demands and let the messengers leave unharmed. The brothers then began to assemble a fleet with which to invade England and destroy King Ella. But Ivar would have no part of this. He told them bluntly. What happened to our father was to be
7: expected. He intentionally underprepared for this conflict and sought battle against a foreign king whom he had no quarrel with, playing for a throne like a drunkard rolling dice. I will not seek Ella's death, and will gladly accept any compensation which he offers us. I will take no part in this invasion, and neither will any of my followers.
0: Ivar's brothers were outraged, but knew better than to prolong this argument with their brother, whose wisdom and wits far outmatched their own their fleet arrived on the stony shore of Northumbria, where a host of Ella's English soldiers waited, ready to repel the Ragnarsons' retribution. The brothers fought valiantly, but without Ivar's sage strategies and without the support of his men, their expedition failed and the Danes retreated to their ships. Meanwhile, Ivar had devised a clever scheme of his own and travelled to the court of the English king, where he announced King Ella, I have come to end the shedding of Danish blood upon English soil.
7: If you agree to pay the blood price for my father's death, then I promise I shall never raise arms against you. You have my solemn
0: word. King Ella contemplated the words of the boneless Danish lord
8: and replied, "You are well known for your perplexing plots and secret schemes, your devious deceptions and surprising strategies." I am not sure if I can trust you, Ivar the Boneless. How do I know you speak the truth? Ivar smiled and
7: revealed. My lord, the truth is usually just an excuse for a lack of imagination. But you have my oath that I will never raise warriors or weapons against you, and all that I wish to acquire in exchange for peace is a small amount of territory only as much land as the hide of a single bull will cover.
0: King Ella agreed to the boneless Dane's bizarre bargain, and Ivar then left with the hide of an ox, ready to claim the land he had been promised. But Ivar had of course tricked the king, and began to enact his plan. The ox hide was softened and stretched, then sliced into the thinnest possible strips, transforming it into a fantastically long string, which Ivar spread across a vast area of land. Around the edge of this land, he erected the mighty walls of an imposing fortress, and within the walls, he constructed a huge city of beautiful houses. English folk flocked to this marvellous city he had built, and he welcomed them with open arms, freely offering his wisdom and guidance, as well as generously showering his new English friends with wealth and riches. Ivar then sent the following message to his brothers back in Denmark.
7: "'Brothers, now is the time to strike. "'I have built bonds of friendship and loyalty "'with the leading men of England "'and have bribed them with my gold and promises of more. "'They will no longer follow King Ella in battle "'as they have grown comfortable "'under my wise and generous leadership. "'At last, we shall have our revenge.'"
0: The brothers were overjoyed by this message and they raised an army which quickly sailed the western seas to England, with dreams of vengeance and carnage in their hearts. King Ella was amused to hear of yet another
8: invasion and blurted out, These Danes certainly are a persistent lot. With so many pitiful invasions in such a short time, their land across the sea will soon be a nation of nothing but widows and orphans. Send out messengers, and gather my men. This time we shall end the Ragnarsons once and for all, and we shall finally have some peace. But
0: barely a single Englishman answered the king's summons. They were far too busy enjoying the fine treasures they had received from their new friend Ivar the Boneless, and many thought that perhaps it would not be so bad if their new generous friend became their overlord. Ivar solemnly fulfilled his oath and stood aside as the vast host of the Danes met what pitiful forces the English king had mustered. The English forces were of course annihilated, and King Ella found himself trembling like an autumn leaf as the Ragnarsons approached him. Ivar was carried by his followers to the scene of battle, where his brothers argued over how they should end the life of their captive king. Perhaps decapitation, or strangulation, or even drowning. But then, Ivar suggested a sinister solution. Brothers, your plans are far too
7: gentle. Let us remember that this wretch threw our father, Ragnar Lothbrok, into a pit of venomous vipers. He died in agony, and Ella shall the same. Before we feed him to the eagles, fetch a good sharp knife and cut an eagle deep into his back. Then we shall colour this bird red with king's blood.
0: The Ragnarsons agreed and proceeded to mutilate King Ella, whose agonising screams were like music to the ears of the brothers. They knew that they had finally avenged their father. Ivar then announced... And so ends the bloody business of the
7: day. We have won our vengeance and won the kingdom of our father's killer. Brothers, I shall give you all the land and wealth I own in Denmark, as
0: I now intend to rule over my new English kingdom. And with that, the Ragnarsons left their boneless brother and returned to Denmark. Ivar ruled his lands in Britain wisely and justly until his dying day and even protected his new home after his death, as folks say that his burial mound guarded his people from foreign invaders. Many years later, King Harold Hardrada walked past the tomb of Ivar and then met defeat at Stamford Bridge, whilst the cunning conqueror named William, Duke of Normandy, cleverly ordered that the mound of Ivar be broken open and that the corpse be burned upon a pyre. Ivar's protection then finally came to an end, and the men of Normandy won the Kingdom of England. The story of Ragnar and his men was finally over, though their legacy, their bloodline, and their reputation shall last through time, all the way to the ending of this world.
1: Wow, Lucas, that was such a great episode.
0: Thanks, it was really fun to record. So listeners, subscribe to that Jorvik Viking Thing podcast if you liked it, because we've got a follow-up episode coming out on Friday called Ragnar Lothbrok, The Truth Behind the Legend. And this will be the last podcast episode for that Jorvik Viking Thing 2022.
1: And if you simply can't get enough of us, Lucas and I will be hosting a Twitch stream on Friday the 25th of February. We'll be playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla Discovery Tour. Make sure to check out yorvikthing.com for more details. Also, don't forget to rate and review that Yorvik Viking Thing podcast on your podcast app. And if you enjoyed the show, share us with a friend. It's the best way to help support your favorite Viking podcast. Thanks for listening to that Yorvik Viking Thing podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Transcripts and chapter markers are available on yorvikthing.buzzsprout.com. That Yorvik Viking Thing podcast is a production of the Jorvik Group and York Archaeology. Hosted by Miranda Schmiederer and Lucas Norton. Researched by Lucas Norton, Ashley Fisher, and Miranda Schmiederer. Produced by Ashley Fisher. Sound designed and edited by Miranda Schmiederer.